coming up in this episode. The unknown is what keeps me up at night. What do you mean? So we have an existing set of cases, investigations that are ongoing, particularly in our counterterrorism division. But our biggest concern is what's out there that we don't know about yet. That is Paul Abate, Assistant Director in Charge of the Washington Field Office of the FBI. It's no secret, the nation's capital is one of the top targets for terror groups all over the world. And just this year alone... We have had a series of arrests that we've conducted here and takedowns of individuals who we believe to be inspired by ISIL and other groups. A candid and stark conversation about the threat and the challenge of neutralizing it, coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. There's something about TrueCar a lot of people don't know. Using TrueCar can also help you buy a used car. In fact, there are more than 500,000 pre-owned vehicles available from TrueCar certified dealers nationwide. Whether you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers, discounts off the list price for used cars, and a better buying experience through the TrueCar certified dealer network. Using the TrueCar website or the TrueCar app, you can easily find the new or used car you want. You can see what other people paid for the car you want so you know what a fair price is and feel confident. With TrueCar, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. TrueCar users save an average of $3,279 off MSRP. More than 2 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar.com or download the TrueCar app and enjoy a better car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Very graphic situation. San Bernardino. An act of terrorism. Paris. An attack on all of humanity. The Islamic State. I'm back, Obama. They I'm want Obama. you to imagine them in the shadows. Hostile nation states. Can't inflict mortal damage to the United States. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. In the last two years, 15 terrorism cases have been brought in the National Capital Region, according to the U.S. Department of Justice. There have been at least seven cases this year. A college student, a former transit police officer, a former National Guard member, a young mother with a seven-year-old child, and a man who made it all the way to Syria and actually fought with the Islamic State group before giving himself up. They all form a part of a growing terrorism threat that seems to cut across gender, demographics, and social status in the Washington, D.C. area. Right in the middle of the fray is the Washington field office of the FBI. We're never surprised, and we're always prepared in a constant state of readiness for Paul events Paul Abate like is the assistant director in charge of WFO as it's known, and even though they've managed to prevent any more major terror attacks since the 9-11 attacks, Abate has been losing a lot of sleep over what he's seeing now. The unknown is what keeps me up at night. What do you mean? So we have an existing set of 
cases, investigations that are ongoing, particularly in our counterterrorism division. But our biggest concern is what's out there that we don't know about yet. And that's the focus of our efforts. Uh, our intelligence division, together with our operational divisions, are working each and every day, 24-7, to identify that threat, that individual that poses a threat that we don't know about yet, in order to get in front of that. And that's our biggest concern. And when you say, what keeps you up at night, that's it, the unknown. The person that's out there that wants to do harm uh, that we haven't yet identified, and we know we know they're out there. Give me a mm -hmm. sense of what the threat situation is like in the district in Washington and in, in the Washington area now. The threat that we face here is something that we're well aware of. Again, we're ready and prepared for that at all times. We have a number of resources together with our partners within the Joint Terrorism Task Force that is literally working 24-7 to hunt down every threat, tip, and lead that comes in uh, from the public or our partners and resolve that and take action against us. Again, as I mentioned, we're all about prevention. We, uh, our goal is uh, chiefly to get in front of these things and stop them before they occur, but we're also positioned, if something does occur, to go out and neutralize it as soon as possible. That's what we do each and every day. What, what, what are the threats that are facing the region? When we look at the threat picture, we deal with uh, a whole very diverse range of different threats and crimes here, uh, not unlike anywhere else across this country. Um, we're operating in a very complex environment, um, but as you point out, when we look at it today, countering terrorism and preventing terrorist acts is at the top of our priority list. And that, that threat here in Washington, D.C., in the National Capital Region, is nothing new to us. We've faced that for a very long time. It has been persistent, but we're well prepared for it. And I think we've done a, a very effective job of countering that and preventing bad things from happening, but we never let our guard down. And we're going at it each and every day to stop uh, something bad from happening here. Almost every day, terror groups put out videos and other social media threatening the U.S. and debate was clear. Washington, D.C. is among the targets that. The Islamic State group, Al-Qaeda, other groups, are you seeing those groups? Are you seeing sympathizers? Are you seeing evidence that they are interested in attacking this region? We, that's everywhere, JJ. We've seen that everywhere. What, you see, you're seeing that here? We've seen it here and we've seen it in other, we view it as a national and even international problem. We have had a series of arrests that we've conducted here and takedowns of individuals who are... And this is here in Washington? Yes, this is here in Washington, D.C. We've had a series of arrests and takedowns of individuals who we believe to be inspired by ISIL and other groups. Uh, we've been able to get ahead of that in these cases uh, and disrupt them before they've been able to act or actually cause harm. One of the most interesting things that took place not too long ago um, was a warning that the Washington region should prepare for more 
of this type of threat uh, as time passes because one of technology, social media, also because the Islamic State organization is being pinched overseas uh, and because other organizations, other terror groups, other individuals are inspired by what they've seen so far. So give me your view on how you prepare for that. So as, as I mentioned earlier, we have the central mechanism that we uh, use to, to, to do that type of work is a joint terrorism task force. And that's a partnership with our law enforcement and intelligence partners at the state, local and federal level. We literally work side by side each and every day uh, to identify the threat in advance and counter it and prevent, again, bad things from happening. That's what we do here uh, each and every day. Um, when you, when you, again, getting back to the threat that you uh, asked about, we have seen a shift. We've seen the shift from the focus being on large-scale attacks directed from overseas to the use of and leveraging of social media and other forms of communication to reach a, reach a wider audience in an attempt to inspire and, in some cases, direct individuals uh, to commit acts of terrorism or violence anywhere. So the fact that Washington, D.C. or this area has been a target or these groups have called for attacks against this area, uh, we're certainly aware of that. It's nothing new to us. Uh, that has been uh, persistent and consistent, um, but we're on guard not only here but everywhere. We've seen uh, cases and even uh, acts of violence in the unlikeliest of places across this country. So we need to be pre prepared everywhere, anytime, any place, uh, in order to stop this type of stuff from happening uh, in advance. So what I'm interested in finding out is how you evolve with the threat to prepare for the threat. And one of the things that's clearly happening with the evolution of the threat is the inspiration and the lone wolf. But at the same time, there are half-baked plots, supposedly, like the one in New York. So how are you preparing for the future? The, you know, the, the keys, the basics, as always, are the partnerships, the collaboration, the coordination, the information intelligence sharing that we do uh, with a wide range of partners. That's where it, that's where it starts, uh, both here in D.C., in the U.S., and then extending overseas as well. It's critical, uh, particularly, as you note, uh, with the spread of technology and the rapid dissemination of information through the news media, that uh, we stay up on that through training, uh, improving our technology uh, as well, so that we can move information at that same speed, uh, sharing with our partners, allowing them both here and abroad to get out in front of threats to stop them uh, before they occur. So again, that comes back to that central component of the JTTF and then broadening out from there and extending the relationships out um, internationally uh, as well. And also, as I noted, training and technology. We've been growing, improving, maturing the technology that we use too within the FBI and also training our people, our agents, our analysts, our professional staff on how uh, to use that, how to apply that, and how to better leverage it in the work uh, that we do as well. Where does that training take place? We do training all around, so we do training both here in the field office, uh, we do it at the FBI Academy down in Quantico, 
and uh, we send people out across the country uh, wherever that expertise resides. We also do training overseas with our international partners as well. I also want to note, getting back to the basics, the investigative and intelligence gathering techniques that we use um, are, are wide-ranging and inclusive of many of the things that uh, you've noted, uh, both in the real world and online. So we do use undercover techniques. Uh, we go out interview. We interview people. Um, and again, we are very uh, uh, reliant on the public and our partners to bring information to us so that we can go out and, uh, again, hunt down every threat, tip, and lead that comes into us. We're doing that each and every day here. Earlier in the program, we mentioned there have been at least seven arrests in terrorism cases just this year in the national capital region. Each and every one of those cases has some element of communication online between sympathizers and the Islamic State group. And in most of those cases, the FBI has played a key role getting in between the sympathizers and the terror group online undercover. Undercover online, how do you do that? Yeah, so the, the undercover uh, techniques are traditional investigative technique that we've used uh, throughout history in our organization and in law enforcement. Uh, we've had to adapt, so taking it into the online realm, being a reflection of the real world, we've applied it there uh, as well. So when we look at terrorist organizations, criminal groups like ISIL operating out there and attempting to spread their message, attempting to recruit and radicalize individuals online, we go into that world with our personnel. On a cyber level. On a cyber level, and again, being a reflection of the real world, to identify the bad guy, go after and neutralize them. Do you get the sense that uh, that is going to be more and more, as time passes, uh, a tool that you would have to rely on? I think it is. It's, a, again, a reflection of the real world. But nowadays, uh, with, with the growth of social media and online communication platforms, that's how people are talking and communicating with each other these days. And criminal organizations and terrorist groups are exploiting that. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where we need to be as well in order to stop that from happening, just like in the real world. Yeah. Encryption. What I've been hearing is that a lot, of, a lot of the social media activity is such that the way that the, the apps that they're using are constructed, there's end-to-end there's, there's -end encryption. And it's a, there's a technological problem, the technology. It's about uh, the companies not cooperating, not helping out. What's your view and idea about how to deal with that issue? It's a challenge that we face, but it's something that we have to be agile and continue to adapt to try to overcome. A part of that is engaging with and uh, having a dialogue with the uh, companies that uh, you know own and promote those technologies and those communication platforms. And we are doing that. We're very engaged with them uh, to find ways legally uh, that we can get the information that we need in order to do our job here. Um, but you're certainly right. It does present the challenge uh, to us. Uh, but I will point out um, it hasn't prevented us from continuing to put cases together, um, continuing to do um, 
investigations uh, and bring them to a conclusion as we've seen through the series of cases that we've had here uh, in this region. That's Paul Abate, Assistant Director in Charge of the Washington Field Office of the FBI. We'll be hearing more from him in the coming weeks. But in the meantime, coming up in our next episode, it doesn't matter where you are when it comes to terrorism, the public's help is always a key component to solving any case. And if you wonder whether the See Something, Say Something campaign works, we've got the proof. Well, there's a pressure cooker, which I didn't know it was a pressure cooker. It just looked like a big pot to me, and it had wires coming out of it. And then the wires were attached to another gadget, to some gadget I couldn't make out. The woman who discovered and reported the pressure cooker bomb in Chelsea in Manhattan. The extraordinary story of how she found the bomb, didn't know what it was, but for some reason she couldn't let it go. I know that saying whenever you go in the subway, it says, if you see something, say something. It was staying in my mind. There was this nagging idea in my mind that I should go back and take a better look at this object. So I did. And when I returned, it was still there. A story you won't soon forget coming up on our next episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. You know, if like the rest of the whole world, you're all caught up in the what the did Donald tweet today game, good news. Podcast One's got a few shows that you need to download pronto. There's Breitbart's Milo Yiannopoulos. A weekly discussion of all things technology, media, video games, politics, internet culture, and of course, the dreaded social justice warriors. Former Clinton White House advisor Dick Morris. Hillary, I worked as her chief advisor for 20 years. I know her, and she should not be president. Weekly Standard editor Bill Kristol. We're fighting a war against radical Islam, but the president of the United States won't call it a war, and he won't mention radical Islam. And all the editors of The Standard get together to do a weekly confab. Welcome to The Confab. I'm Eric Felton. Download Milo, Dick, Bill, and The Confab today on the Podcast One app, or subscribe at podcastone.com.